we read so much about the young girls in our disadvantaged communities that don't even make it to grade seven at school. So we know that uh, we need to see some form of transformation in our educational system that can ins that needs to inspire these young girls to want to learn and to know that education can make a difference to their lives and to be curious about you know completing their school at least. We are very excited to host, host this panel of, of women in education. Really the focus of our discussion this morning is education and very specifically the way in which uh, education uh, affects and uh, society with regards to women in society. Let's start at the top of my page with uh, uh, Dr. Mampela Rampele. Mampela has a, a celebrated career in South Africa and in the world. She's an activist, a medical doctor, an academic, a businesswoman, and a political thinker. And she's the co-founder of Reimagine SA and co-president of the Club of Rome. She has received numerous national and international awards acknowledging the scholarship and leading role in spearheading projects for marginalized people in South Africa and elsewhere. She has a long list of honorary doctorates and she was appointed most famously uh, to the post of Vice-Chancellor of the University of Cape Town in 1996 and thereby becoming the first black woman to hold such a position at a South African university. So we're very honored to, to have you here, Dr. Rampele, who has been asked to be referred to as by her first name, Mampele. Thank you for joining us. Um, we then have uh, Maranella Buscagia. Maranella is a, a long-time leader at Investec. She heads up the coverage team across both client coverage and coverage credit. The client coverage team is a national team that looks after clients across multiple client segments from large listed corporates to private companies, multinationals, and sponsors. Marinella has been investing since 2001 and has a, a, a very important role in the leadership of, of the company. We have Stacey Brewer with us. She is the co-founder and CEO of Spark Schools. And Spark Schools is a network of schools dedicated to delivering sustainable, affordable, and high-quality education by using a blended learning program which combines traditional classroom teaching and online learning to individualize education for all students. It's really an innovative approach that uh, its mission is to disrupt the crisis in South African education. Thank you for joining us, Stacey. And last but certainly not least, we have Samara Totoram who is the CFO of Stadio and a director of PSG Capital. Uh, uh, Stadio Holdings is an investment company in private higher education, supporting six prestigious institutions, which collectively offer over 90 accredited, accredited programs from higher certificates to master's degrees and doctorates in contact distance and online learning to over 30,000 students. Welcome, Samara. All right, so I'd like to begin with a, an opening question, and um, I'd like to... Uh, direct this question to just to kick us off to Stacey, if I may, just to start us off. Um, Stacey, one of the missions of, of Sparks is to address what you, des you describe as the crisis of education in South Africa. And I was really struck by that, um, that use of the term crisis of education. Can you maybe open our discussion for us here by explaining what is the nature of this crisis and, and how do you see the solution playing out? So what we are seeing is we currently spend the greatest proportion of our budget and GDP on education, 
and yet we ranked bottom of the world if you look at various competitiveness reports. And if you look at the most recent polls assessment from a couple of years ago now, they say that 78% of our grade fours cannot read for meaning. This is absolutely dire. This is unacceptable. In the rest of the world, and especially developed markets, children are expected from the age of grade four to around six, five, six years. So what we've done at Spark is we've benchmarked our total cost to educate against government's total cost to educate in order to provide a model that's affordable to the country, but at the same time, we want to offer something that's internationally competitive. Unfortunately, the children of South Africa are falling more and more behind, and it's up to us, um, as South African society, to make sure we address this crisis and quickly. Thank you, Stacey. Um, Mampela, maybe if I could come over to you. You are one of South Africa's leading lights as a female leader and as a leader in, in many respects, particularly in education. And the, the crisis that Stacey refers to, how do you see it affecting women in South Africa in particular? Thank you very much, Mark. The crisis that we face in education in South Africa is a crisis of what it means to be human. It is impossible that a population like ours would so badly underperform the rest of the world when we're spending so much money. So like I was trained as a medical doctor, go back to the root cause. The root cause of our crisis is the fact that the majority population and that includes the children of today who have gotten this through what they call multi-generational trauma and their parents and their grandparents have been told and they've now internalized the fact that they are less than. So they, if we want to address the crisis of education in South Africa, we've got to heal the soul of South Africa from the inferiority complex that was deliberately engineered as part of the colonial project and later the apartheid program to make sure that the majority population cannot compete with the minority who are the dominant population. So we have on one hand a crisis of an inferiority complex that affects the performance of teachers, of, of pupils and the expectations of society of those black teachers and the pupils. On the other hand, we have a crisis of a superiority complex that says we are succeeding as white people because we are superior. And so South Africa has got this big elephant. It's a big, big elephant in the room that we have not addressed post-1994. And unless we address it, we will not get to the bottom of this program. And I can give you an example of a school system that is overperforming, it's outperforming the public schools and is outperforming some of the private schools. It's called the LEAP school system. And they have six schools in the poorest parts of South Africa, the slums of Dipslot, Langa, Harankua. And what is the secret? They have used the life orientation program to start every child who arrives in grade eight with 
the sense of you are worthy of excellence. And they liberate their children. Every day, the Life Orientation Program is a journey in self-liberation from the inferiority complex and a journey of affirmation of the capacity to excel. And that is the key that this country needs to open its eyes to and we will succeed. Thank you, Mafia. Can I, just before I move on to one of the other candidates, just uh, take one of your points and ask you to dip into it. So I think if I understand you right, the, the assumptions that we hold in our minds as human beings in which we may take on uh, this inferiority paradigm, a mental frame, which the life orientation learning that you describe changes at the school level. You believe that this is a, a core solution to the, you know, changing the process of education in the country. Am I understanding that right? Changing Absolutely. that paradigm. Absolutely. We call it self-liberation, but it is also liberation from the assumption that if you are poor, your expectations should be lower. If you are a woman, your expectations should be low. Now, the LEAP school has got majority women students, 65%, and it's a math and science school system. And they are getting A's and B's and C's because the genius in every child is liberated. Now, this is for the school system, but we also need to liberate South African citizens, the parents of these children, the teachers who teach these children. And so we need to take the positive outcomes of this model as an example that the problems we have have a solution. And I speak as someone who was liberated in the late 60s by being part of the Black Consciousness Movement. We rejected the idea that we were non-whites, non-Europeans, and said, no, we are black, we are proud, and we will succeed. And here I am, at the age of 72, still with the same message that my country, my continent, my world has to acknowledge that unless you free the psychosocial mind frame of a people, they will always underperform. Okay, let me go over here to, to you, Samara, if I may, and then I'll come on to Marinella. Um, I've actually got the same question for both of you, but I'm going to start with you, Samara. Picking up on um, Mampele's uh, uh, diagnosis, if you like, about the core challenge that, that we face in South Africa with regard to education, and in particular, women um, in South Africa, this notion that the underlying assumptions or the paradigm or the mindset is one of low expectation or inferiority. To what extent have you seen this in, in your own uh, 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 careers as uh, leaders in your field and in the work that you do? And how important is that in the work that you do? Thank you, Mark. I um, just want to say thanks so much also to invite for inviting me to this conversation with um, you know, it's a complete privilege to actually chat to some of the icons in the South African education space. So it's, a, it's, it's really a privilege. 
I think just to touch on what Mampela said, it's a very valid point, you know, this kind of inferiority, you don't believe you belong, the imposter syndrome. And I actually want to add to that. It's a huge issue we have in terms of people not being able to access education. So this is kind of at the basic education level, as well as the higher education level. And what we actually also find is a lot of females, okay, they don't actually know that they can access education, specifically speaking from a higher education space, you know, so um, the stats that we see, there's about 442,000 students that come through um, the basic school education system that can actually access higher education. Less than half of them do. Why? Various reasons. Some is you know, they can't get access to a public institution because they don't have uh, the requisite marks. There's no capacity to do so. But the important, another important factor is the fact that people don't know that they can actually access higher education. They don't know that they actually have access to education. This is kind of squarely what Mampela is talking about. How do we actually go about educating people to actually realize that they are enough? They can access um, education in the various forms from the basic education level to the higher education. And that is a continuous, continuous, uh, you know, development from our side at Stadio. I see it happening on the basic education side. I think Stacey and them uh, do it a lot as well in terms of letting people know you can access education, be it in its very simplest form to its very technical form. And we see, you know, the, the, the kind of the challenge we have is to kind of you know, encourage women because a lot of people also in a, in very much so the disadvantaged communities, they are afraid to access it. They are afraid because they, it's, it's, it's something they don't know. It's years and years uh, that have told them, no, they cannot do it. They, they, they shouldn't actually, um, you know, um, challenge themselves to, to, to come out of this cycle that, you know, the history of South Africa has actually landed up land or, you know, um, kind of resulted in. Um, and I think it's actually very, very important that we continue to actually let people know that you can access education, be it in the public system as well as the private system. Samara, can I ask you, how do we do that? How do you do that in, in your organization? Yeah, so it's it's an interest one, interesting one because it's just constant communication. It's constant communication. It's constant reassurance. So we do kind of a lot of marketing. We go out to a lot of schools. Again, I'll speak specifically from the higher education space because that's, you know, kind of the element of this education journey that, that we focus on. So we go a lot on, say, a school visit, as an example, you know, to promote what we can do. It's also interesting. A lot of um, people who don't necessarily pass um, matric with a bachelor's degree exemption. They believe they cannot access higher education. We say, but there are parts for you to actually access higher education. And it's continually showing them the products that are available to be able to take those stepping stones to ultimately um, get a qualification. And why do you get a qualification? So you can improve your economic circumstances. Um, so it's, 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 it's a challenge. It's always a challenge. So we also, you know, we trying to create, um, a large amount of access. We focusing a lot on, um, distance learning or remote learning. 
And what we've seen is COVID-19 has also given us the opportunity to actually reach a market which we wouldn't traditionally have reached, you know, in terms of using the various technologies. You can actually learn from any device. It doesn't have to be a fancy laptop. It doesn't have to be an iPad. It's actually a cell phone. Many people have access to, to a form of cell phones. And we are using various types of technologies to actually say, even if you are in a rural area, we are able to provide you with the platform to actually gain access to, even as a start, a short course. Okay, um, Marinella, um, I'd like to really just turn the focus a little bit to, to women who are leading in the world of work in South Africa, of which you are a, an excellent example. What is your experience with the way in which women in particular uh, sometimes adopt this paradigm that Mampela um, introduced, which is this lowering your expectation and thereby sort of um, self-selecting out of the opportunities that are there? Um, thank you, Mark, for this. Um, you know, I've been in banking for something like 32 years. And I've seen a, a real shift in, in the way women are conducting themselves in corporate world. You know, today we've got so many young girls that are coming into the organization and they are highly educated and really confident and smart girls. And this is because they have had a really good, solid, privileged education. But, you know, um, we read so much about the young girls in our disadvantaged communities that don't even make it to grade seven at school. So we know that uh, we need to see some form of transformation in our educational system um, that, can that needs to inspire these young girls to want to learn and to know that education can make a difference to their lives and to be curious about you know, completing their school at least. But generally, if I can say, when young girls come into an organization, there is undoubtedly, even though they have got really good quality education, we find, I find, that they actually don't have that level of confidence to know and believe that they are better than their male counterparts. So there's a, a, there is still that level of insecurity and concern that perhaps they have to work that much harder or perform that much better in order to get ahead and, and be better than their male counterparts. So while things have improved over the last 32 years that I've been in banking, uh, I still see that. And I think that is potentially a flaw in our education system. And to Mampela's point, we need to get these young girls to believe that they are better, they are good, they are as good, and they can achieve just what everyone else can achieve. But we need them, we need the system to to instill that in the, in our young girls. If I come back to you, Mampela. Um, you've been listening to the comments of your of your panelist uh, co-members here, and I'm just curious when they talk about the uh, the paradigm shift that you refer to. Um, I've asked the question, you know, what can we do to change this? Now, I'd like to maybe ask you if you could comment on it. Specifically, whether you're a male or a female, whether you're black or white, if you're watching this um, uh, webcast, what what is the change that needs to happen in at an individual level in your own mind 
that you would say, if you could change this type of thinking, that would make a difference. Because if each and every person changed that, we would get a kind of the scale change would, would happen. What, what, what is the change of the person watching this that you're looking to facilitate in the world? I think the first change starts with acknowledgement, if you are a man and if you are white, that you have had a great privilege or first mover advantage. And don't put your success only to the efforts you're putting. Because other people have put in a lot more effort, but they didn't have the ladders that you had from your multi-generational privileged position. So acknowledgement is the first step in healing. On the other hand, in terms of the school system or the education system we're talking about from basic all the way to higher education, we really need to change the curriculum. Because the curriculum we have in South Africa, you will be shocked to hear, but many won't be shocked because they see it. Our history still starts in 1652. You tell me how you expect the majority population to have their history written out, not by white people, but by our post-apartheid education system. Why? Because we didn't, even for the people who were involved in the liberation struggle, not all of them went through this mindset shift. And they just simply occupy the positions and they don't have the critical mind to say, we have to change our history because we are on a continent which is the mother continent for the entire human society. And therefore, there has to have been a history before the Anfan Rebel. What is that history? How do we make sure that the descendants of the sand see themselves in the history? And second, the way the history is formulated is still very male-dominated. UCT, which is an institution I love, very much, and I dedicated my youth to, was a white male college. We had to actively change the curriculum in the 1990s when I was involved in it. But we also need to change the way we teach. I was really uh, sad, but not surprised to hear uh, the story about young people not knowing that they have access. That raises the question, how much guidance is built into life orientation, which is the place where these young people should know that you could, you don't have to go to university, you can do this, you can do the other thing. But that is not working because the teaching methods are still very authoritarian. The teacher teaches, he doesn't listen, he doesn't encourage questions. And so I agree that the coronavirus with its uh, uh, online learning promotion is a tool we should use, an opportunity to shift the way we think about teaching and learning and also to ask those fundamental questions. Thank you very much. Right, Stacey, so um, over to you now with uh, 
you know, the discussion that we're having here, we're really trying to look into, I would call them the bias that lives in the institutional history of education um, in terms of race and gender, uh, deauthorizing those identities in, the, in, in history, in the approach to teaching and so forth. You know, to what extent um, does, you know, your organization in the way that you teach uh, uh, approach in a different way to shift that institutional history as a paradigm into a more empowering opportunity for, for thinking on the part of women in particular? So, Mark, at Spark Schools, we were we started on the belief that any child from any community can achieve. So we do not screen any children based on their academic ability. We are really trying to prove that any child from any community can achieve. And we are absolutely doing that. When we first started Spark, we had a lot of people say, what you want to do with South African children and South African teachers is impossible. But we're proving it wrong every single day. Our children are competing at an international level. They are able to read independently in grade R, which is expected in the rest of the world, versus what's expected in South Africa in only grade two. And I completely agree with this conversation that we expect very little from our children. Um, and I think it's absolutely devastating because they can achieve in the right environment, in the right system. The teachers can thrive and our, our, so can our children. And we are seeing that at Spark. So the way the whole model has been designed, we are able to absolutely differentiate our instruction based on each and every child's needs. So no one is left behind. We work closely with families to empower them to get really involved in their child's education because we can see what a benefit it is for that child and the, their relationship and their academic ability. At Spark, we also we are non-denominational schools, so we welcome everybody from all walks of life, but we have core values that we operate on. And which is service, persistence, achievement, responsibility, and kindness, which obviously what Spark stands for. Marinella, I'm very interested in your uh, in, in your perspective now because you know, as you mentioned, and, and I'm the same. I was at, at university also 30 years ago. Uh, things are very different now. Listening to our, our panelists here, what is your sense on how this would and does change the level the playing field for women? This the innovation, you know, in a tailored, empowered, work at your own pace, uh, learning environment at both the, the school and tertiary education level. I do think this really does change the game for women in the world of work in European. Yeah, Mark, you know, I mean, um, I think you and I were at school more or less at the same time. So what Mampele mentioned was exactly what I went through, you know, in high school. Uh, I went to a great high school, a public school. We had a great infrastructure, great education, great teachers. But I felt that when I left school, I actually did not have the life skills to hold down a job if I needed to. I felt that I needed to advance my education in order to enter the job market. And uh, so when I hear what Stacey and Samara are talking about, I think it's absolutely exciting to know that with the right uh, thought process behind our education process, we can actually um, get a completely different level of education out there that equips our women differently when they actually go through education and the high school training. You know, you want your, your, your children to actually get to the end of high school and be job ready 
if they have to, because this is what us, the South African economy actually needs. We need to get more people into the job market to start building on economic growth for South Africa. We need these young girls to become entrepreneurs. And right now, uh, you know, if we, with this level of skills that we're hearing from um, Sparks and Stadia, that is what we need more of in our education system um, going forward. And I think the repercussions of that benefit in the schools will be felt in corporate world. You know, there's more women coming into the workforce, more women contributing. You know, our women are resilient and resourceful as it is. So to give them and empower them with really good education, imagine what they can achieve and imagine the, the contribution that they can make to our very needy economic environment and the need for more entrepreneurs in, in business. Mark, if I may add um, to what Marinella was saying, I think she, she makes such a, a valid point in terms of how do we actually take the steps, you know, to make sure that, you know, our future women leaders are equipped with the necessary skills to deal with, you know, the way society is actually being structured. And it has actually been structured, you know, with centuries old patriarchy. It, it, it has. And, you know, I, I just truly resonate with what you say, because I, I would say also in my professional career, it's been exactly the same, you know, where you come out of school, uh, you know, you go into a work environment and it's a little bit different. You always find yourself holding back a little bit. And how do we kind of build the confidence, you know, and that's what we've got to focus on is building the confidence of every person who actually walks through our doors to be able to go and conquer whatever they would like to conquer. And I always use the phrase, you know, so I always, you know, speak to, you know, my colleagues as well. And I say, you know, if you've got a problem, let's not complain about it, stand up and lead. And that's what you've got to teach, you know, the, the, you know, the, the, the future leaders, women leaders in this organization is don't be afraid to stand up and lead. And you might not get it right first time round. You might get criticized, but just stand up and lead. And that's all I wanted to add because I really do resonate with what Marinella has said. You know, Mark, the good news is that we have an innovative, scalable, and affordable excellence model in the lead schools. It is already breaking ground with the communities that are, are regarded as broken communities. And it's so, uh, it has impressed people, including the Department of Education, is now working with the LIB schools in Mpumalanga, for example, to test their model. Their model is, first you have the life orientation, which is the healing part, where the values that are not very dissimilar to the values of our constitution are embedded in everything we do. And second, you have an in-service teacher program that makes sure we don't send young people who want to be teachers to schools that are going to teach them the same old, same old. And so the fantastic thing about the LEAP school model, which has been running for 15 years, is that their own graduates are now heading three of the schools and they are training students. And the good news is that some of the private schools, particularly 
private schools for poor people are using this the in-service training model of the leave school, which is completely to flip the whole authoritarian model to create a values-based model that produces critical thinking, excellent citizens. And there is a, an elef- another elephant in the room we haven't touched on, which is for us to sustain the empowerment of women, we need to teach young boys differently. And we always forget. And then we wonder why we've got this horrific gender-based violence in our society. If you are making women powerful and you are not dealing with the insecurities of young men, in a patriarchal system, you will continue to recycle violence. And so the leap school model is designed in a way that every young student emerges as a young adult, man or woman, fully embracing the values of gender equality, human rights, and being very clear that they are enough in themselves and they've got something to contribute and so it is possible for us to migrate not in 10 years not in five years but starting today from this idea that our children and our education system is failing yes it is failing but as samara says stand up and lead let's all as citizens of south africa stand up and demand that we scale up the working models in our society to create a learning platform from basic education all the way to higher education that will make South Africa the great society it is destined to become. It's a fantastic uh, summation and very inspiring. Thank you very much. Um, I'm going to ask the panelists to just provide their last comments. so uh, let's go to you, Marinella, uh, uh, providing last uh, comments on our discussion today, please. Thanks, Mark. Um, you know, I, I look at the many young girls that are joining our organization each year as top graduates. Uh, these are young girls that are preparing to qualify as TAs. And, you know, I'm blown away at how talented and how smart they are. And, and they're going to be the leaders of our future. They are going to be the ones that are going to be teaching the young boys to have respect for the working moms and and the future leaders of our country. So, you know, I, I take heart that they are parts of our education system, which is undoubtedly succeeding. Um, but but we mustn't fool ourselves because, you know, we're still in the minority. And we we cannot afford, therefore, to stop fighting for what is better and for a better education system that is constantly evolving and, and preparing our children for for the future. So we, you know, hopefully this education system will start uh, addressing all the inequalities we have, because somehow we need more women to join the workforce um, and become entrepreneurs, because that is what we really need for a better South Africa. Thank you, Marinella. Uh, Samara? Thanks, Mark. So I think closing comments, you know, the the education crisis, as Stacey mentioned it, is not, um, you know, it's not one or two institutions here or there that are going to solve it. Okay, this is very much a case where 
the public sector, the private sector, anybody who can and wants to make a difference need to come together and pull resources. And I'm talking also investment community, you know, pool resources, help promote, um, you know, the education sector. And I came across an interesting quote the other day. Um, and so I actually don't know who it's by. It was somebody by an, an anonymous, but it actually said, educate a boy, you educate a human being. Educate a girl and you educate several generations. And that talks to the fact that women will always be the core educators in our society. Thank you, Simone. And to you, Stacey. Thanks, Mark. So when we look at a macro level in South Africa, I think we often can feel despondent. And I think especially during this time, and you know, is there really hope? But when I look at normal South African citizens, the hard work, the commitment that they do every day, in what I see at Spark, in making sure that we can serve each and every child, it gives me so much hope for this country. Okay, well, uh, thank you very much the, the, to our panelists, uh, Dr. Mampela Rampele, Maranela Buscaglia, Samara Tuturum, and Stacey Brewer. Thank you so much for, for joining us. It's been a, a real privilege to have you on the panel. You are an inspiration to so many people, and it's very evident as to why. Thank you so much. The views expressed are those of the contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily represent the views of the firm and should not be taken as advice or recommendation. Investec Specialist Bank, a division of Investec Bank Limited, is a registered credit provider.